This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. It's been a bit, but I am still your host, Zachary Small, and we are still talking about sobriety on this podcast. Today, I am joined by Justin and Jeff, two fellow FOE men, two fellow sober men, men who took charge of their addiction, who took charge of their relationship with alcohol, and they've turned their lives around. And so one of the things I've always looked to do is to normalize the discussion around things that people consider taboo. Let's make it normal to talk about finances. Let's make it normal to talk about fatherhood. Let's make it normal to talk about sobriety. When you live a life without a drug, that shouldn't be weird. And for most drugs, that's the case. But because of the aggressive marketing that's been done by these companies, we think it's weird to not be hooked on booze. And so when you're sober, people ask, why? What's wrong with you? As if there's something wrong with you for not using a drug. We're going to dispel that myth now. But before we dive into that, Justin, how you been, brother? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing doing pretty well. Just uh, finished with work not too long ago and just kind of hanging out. That's cool, man. I appreciate you coming on here, being willing to share your story. Like I said, the the normalization around sobriety is one of my like goals. It's one of my targets with both uh, FOE as well as 365 to sobriety. You know, I'm so sick of, you know, real men can can hold their whiskey. No, man, real men aren't hooked on whiskey. <laughs> like real men aren't worried about trying to hold it or counting how many they have. And so I appreciate you coming on here. You know, I've had a front row seat to your journey, but I look forward to sharing that with others. Jeff, my brother from another mother. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Zach. This is an awesome topic. Happy to be here. Normalizing sobriety is the way it should be. Hell yeah. So one of the things that we talk a lot about within the fraternity of excellence is living with excellence you know, being your best self. And I'm coming up on two and a half years sober. I'm two years, five months, and some amount of days. I'm not sure I'd have to check my tracker. And for anybody that is on the wanting to track where they're at to kind of get that motivation, I use the I Am Sober app. So anybody wondering, that's how whenever I share my photos, whenever I share my updates, it tracks how much money I spent a day, how much time I spent a day, and then how many days. And then it kind of sends me those milestones and feedback, which is pretty cool. For somebody like me, that helps. I like seeing the tracker there. But as we go through this, that's where I'm coming from. Two and a half years sober. I quit on seven. I quit on seven six twenty twenty. So seven seven twenty twenty is my sober date. That's day one for me, and it's been pretty cool, man. I've had zero negatives ever since. And what I wanted to do is to kind of balance it around and have a discussion that helps other people see inside of our minds. Because when you when you think about people who are sober, there's this caricature that is developed of they're lame or they're miserable, they're sad, they can't have a drink. And we're not that. We're, we're totally content. Like none of us want the drink. We aren't sad, sober men. We're men who don't have alcohol and we're very happy living like that. And so from your origin story, or if there even is an origin story, you know, mine, mine's not that special. But I wanted to see how you got to this point, where you're at with it, how you made it stick. And Jeff, out of the three of us, you're actually the one who's been here the longest. 
And so we have a pretty cool dynamic here in that Justin's closing in on a year. You're seven years? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. I'm not trying to rob you of that year and a half. <laughs> Eight and a half years, man. And so I'm sitting here at two and a half. So I'm kind of, I'm closer to Justin than you, but I'm chasing you. You're not going to let me catch you. So <laughs> with that, we're going to go to the new guy before the season veteran. And so I'm going to throw it to you, Justin. What was it that got you to the point where you really recognized it was time to address your relationship with alcohol? And not only that, but to take the next step of saying, you know what, maybe I don't need this. And kind of what, what was the story behind that to get this in motion? Well, I, uh, I, I guess I was uh, drinking pretty heavily to uh, relieve stress. And I, I knew that I wanted to uh, address that problem or uh, work on it, maybe, uh, maybe cut back or, uh, gosh, what's the word for it? Well, just, just cut back a little bit and I was unable to cut back. So, uh, I, I had been to a couple of AA meetings and that, that really wasn't working out for me. So I, you know, I, I tried doing I, I tried doing that on my own and, <clears throat> I had, uh, I had done a couple of, uh, dry months, like the sober October or dry January. Yeah. And I had, I had just white knuckled it through those, those months that I'd quit. And I noticed that after I quit for a month, the month coming back was a really, really heavy drinking month. Like you're making like up for lost time. I, yeah, made up for lost time, I think. <laughs> but uh, this this year, I I drank the night before Easter, and then I woke up on Easter morning with a hangover, which I was. Uh, well, I'd started to drink the the morning of Easter to kind of relieve that hangover. Uh, that the hair of the dog. And we, we had my uh, family get together and I kind of made a uh, horse's ass of myself at the family get together and decided from there that that was kind of the end for me. I was, I was just burned out at the end of my rope and wanted to make a change. So I had, I had started following Jerry from Men of Grit, yeah. which I, I really liked. His content, he's always jumping rope or lifting weights. And uh, he's a Christian guy, too. So I like that part of his content. And I, I sent a tweet that I just said, you know, like, I'm done with drinking. I really want to give it my all if anyone could help me. And he pointed to you. And, and that's, where I, that's where I started with uh, 365 Sobriety. That's awesome, man. You know, and honestly, we're going to have another podcast. We're going to get Jerry on. It's going to be an intervention with him in that jump rope because I think there's a certain addiction going on there. That man jumps rope every morning, and I think it's been like over a year straight. So that that's, that's it's a healthy addiction, but he's in love with that jump rope, man. But big shout out to Jerry from Men of Grit. I highly recommend it. I'm actually going to if I'm going to tag him below for anybody else looking to find a solid quality resource in a lot of areas, especially that on leadership and masculinity. Strong dude. You know, but that's cool, man. So that was 238 days ago. And so you're 237 days today. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So I, 
Inside 365 to sobriety, it's a private telegram I run. It's $31 for lifetime access, basically a dollar a day the first month. But when you go in there, you know, I've got a front row to what Justin's got going on. And so I'm sitting there and every single day he updates. And every single day I go in there, I double tap it. I like it. And I'm like, hell yeah, another day. And we just keep on rolling. And it's interesting. And this is actually going to bring it over to Jeff. When you do that, you know, some people hate it. Some people don't like to track anything. They don't even want to talk about alcohol. And what's been interesting with Jeff is when I got sober, he was one of my ghost mentors. You know, I, you always see me give the shout out to Ed and uh, Phil. Because Phil was the one who had the tough love conversation of like, Zach, you're, you're getting fat, you're getting lazy, and that's not what you stand for. You're a fucking monster, and this alcohol is lowering your inhibition. It's lowering your, your energy you're putting out. And then Ed showed me what a content creator was looking like. But I had known Jeff for a while, and just to see him not drink and us to start talking about it and him normalizing it, he was one of the first ones to be like, yo, I'm really glad you did this. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, and from the outside in, it's, I didn't even realize people were watching me. And Jeff was the one that actually highlighted that. He's like, yeah, no, I've been, I see the signs. I see everything. And I'm, this is a really good decision for you. And I was like, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> like, all right, thanks, man. Like that, that little added oomph from somebody that I hadn't really spoken to about it in depth prior to. Since then, we've had many conversations on this. And so I'm actually really glad you're on here, Jeff. But I'm wondering, what was your approach so long ago? Can you still tap back into what it was like on day one or week one? Yeah, yeah, I can. But there's so many things I heard. I, just, I mean... First of all, when you got sober, I was so, so happy. We didn't have that relationship yet where I could really give you the hard talk like Phil, I would today. But <laughs> when you got sober, it set the tone for FOE. Like, this is a cool thing. And it it made the group so much better just knowing, like, if you choose this route, it's not frowned upon. It's normalized. And then listening to Justin talk, I mean, there's so much overlap. When I talk to every guy, like, we're, we're all the same in a way. Um, you know, trying to moderate and white knuckling. That was so hard. I, I like to think back on how I tried to moderate for years and years and years. And it was, it was impossible. And it took all of my effort. I mean, I was trying so hard not to drink to moderate my drinking that I couldn't really do much of anything else. Um, thankfully, when I finally did figure out the way to stop drinking, that freed up so much energy to do other things. And like what Justin said as well, you know, he reached out, he asked for help. He asked Jerry, where do I go? And he led him to you. And you said, I need a little bit of help. You know, it's different roads for different people. AA didn't work for him. I did some AA and it, it definitely helped me a great deal. I can see why it wouldn't work for some people, but um, it's a good tool there if people need it. But there's so much overlap. I, I needed to reach out and I needed to stop drinking and I needed some help when I did it. And uh, I can remember what it was like, even though it was a long time ago. And life is so much better today. I mean, I couldn't even couldn't even say how much better. Now, one of the questions people will ask is, well, once you get control over it, you know, why don't you go back to it? Have you had people ask you why you don't return to it once you've mastered? And I say mastered in the sense of I've never looked at you as someone who has an issue now because you just don't drink it. And so could you go back and have a sip? Maybe, but people get weird about that. And have you faced that? That's some feedback I get frequently and it trips me out. Not so much anymore. I mean, people that know me know that that, that ship has sailed and they know what I'm about and it's just not part of my life. I mean, it would be a foreign concept. I have no desire to. Um, I go out, I enjoy myself. Uh, I'm around people that drink a lot and I will hang out with them until last call sometimes. And I just, it's just not part of my life. It's, I can't drink and I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. It's uh, about knowing myself. And I know that that's not for me. And now it's it's relatively easy. That's awesome, man. And it's awesome because people seem to think that, oh, what you have to do is kind of 
take a break to fix it, but then you can go back. And it's like, why would I want to go back? Why would I want to continue to do this? Like, why is it so unfathomable to think of a life without putting liquid poison into yourself that is a literal type one carcinogen? It is as addictive as like heroin. It causes cancer of the throat, liver, kidney, stomach, colon. Like we had a whole list going in 365 to sobriety about all the issues going on. And it, it makes you fat. You get inflamed. You get the munchies afterwards. There's so many problems. Oh, also, you can't drive. If you do, you're running a risk. Uh, it amplifies all of your emotions. That can lead to relationship issues. And so there, there's this whole host of problems. And it's like, yeah, but it's booze. That makes everything fun. And I'm like, man, I was talking to Jackie about this. And for those who don't know, she quit the night I quit. She wasn't as bad as me, but she was probably heading down that path 100% because of me. You know, she she follows my lead, man. Like that that's how our marriage operates. And I was going the wrong way. And I was bringing her with me. But when I was like, yo, I'm out, she's like, me too. Dude, our, our health has improved. Our marriage has improved. Our fun has improved. Our sex life has improved. And people are like, oh, but if she's drunk, you're going to have that wild sex. Here's a fun fact. If you're a man who can master himself, master attraction, master connection, you can have great sex without alcohol. Something else that your body does really well is it recovers and heals. Now, Jeff, you were named the Fraternity of Excellence's Sexiest Man. And Justin... You have dropped significant weight. So now I kind of want to lead into the progress outside of just letting go of the booze, but what you've been able to do since then. And so since Jeff has the title, I'm going to go to him first on this one. But what role did sobriety play in you becoming your best self, you know, mentally, physically, and spiritually? There is no chance I would have been FOE's sexiest man if I continued <laughs> to drink alcohol in any capacity. I mean... Removing alcohol has allowed me to do uh, a lot of things with fitness. Uh, it's allowed me to do things in business. Um, my relationship too. I'm, I'm fortunate that my wife hasn't completely quit drinking, but she doesn't drink around me, which I never asked her to do, but that, that was a very nice gesture of hers and it helped. But um, my fitness has gone to a completely different level. Um, as I eliminated alcohol, I replaced it for a couple of years with, uh, with a lot of cardio. I started running races. I did an Ironman, um, would have never done that if I was still drinking and that that's something I'm proud of and it was a great experience. And then my fitness journey continued and I started lifting and now I'm, I'm in pretty good shape for a 43 year old guy. And that would not be the case if I was a drinker. You're in great fucking shape, man. Don't, don't, don't be humble on here. This is the family alpha podcast, right? right, right this right. is top tier. You're crushing fucking it. Shredded. <laughs> so Justin, for you, man, it seems like the weight is just falling off. The consistency is rising. And so not just within 365 to sobriety, but also in FOE, it's like, I'm watching parallel use go on. Like I see sobriety angle inside the telegram, but I see sobriety and everything else inside FOE. So what do you believe dropping alcohol has enabled you to gain? Well, I'm, uh, I I'm saving a bit more money than I, I used to because, yeah. you know, $10 a day, every day that stacks up. And, uh, as, as far as, workouts go or or like the fitness angle i uh i've always liked lifting weights but the drinking thing always held me back i uh i would i would go lift i would go lift weights hung over and get a really shitty workout in and uh it, it wouldn't lead to it wouldn't lead to any progress <clears throat> or uh if i did do cardio i would have to do way more cardio than i needed to to shed weight and uh, if you're drinking, you're just shooting yourself in the foot, as far as I'm concerned. 
and I, uh, I, I really wanted to help out or volunteer in my church. And I've, I've been able to, to volunteer and help out in my church since, uh, since giving up drinking. I, I knew that that would be a hindrance and I, I couldn't do it if, uh, you know, I continued to have that behavior. Isn't that crazy? Like how much more you've been able to do? And it was something you're voluntarily putting into your system. It trips me out, man. But I mean, think about everything you just listed and how that's played into where your life is at now, but not just now, the momentum to where it's going also. Yep. And uh, I, I get along so much better with my family as well. I, I can remember what I say, uh, the conversations that we have. I, uh, I enjoy our family get-togethers. Like I just went through Thanksgiving and I didn't have to worry about what my actions were going to were going to be, and uh, didn't have any guilt or regret for anything that I did, and uh, it was just a really good time. No, that's awesome, man. And it's it's almost sad that we have to say this. Like it's almost like sad that we're like, yeah, I can remember what I said. I like I can sit there. I'm like, oh yeah, I can remember what how I went to bed. I can I got my workouts in. I didn't have to worry about driving. That's not shit a man should ever be worrying about. We shouldn't be worrying about remembering our nights or falling asleep on a couch or or this, that, and the other, driving when we shouldn't. You know, like, I'm trying to think of the things I did, like, just overexcited about things or overly angry about things. Like, whatever emotion it was, I was a very hyper drunk. I wasn't really an angry drunk or a sad drunk or any of that shit. I was, like, hyper. I was excited. Like, let's fucking go. Let's party. And then I'm blind, you know? Or then I'm asleep on the Jeep on the way home or Jackie has to drive me home, or she can't drink because she knows I'm not going to have one or two. I'm going to have 14 or 15. And she's like, well, I, Zach's drinking, so I've got to stop. I'm like, man, I didn't realize that. And one of the things, and we'll actually get to this in a second, but I brought up my I Am Sober app because I wanted to see what the number was when you said that about saving money. So I'm 888 days sober, and I put $20 a day, and that's probably a little conservative because there were times where we'd go out to eat or we would go like on a bender, and it's like a $400 tab that night. And I'm also drinking the other six nights. And so $20 a day is what I put that conservatively. I have saved $608 a month on average in total $17,760. That's almost a fucking car. That is some cars. You know, my time, I put three hours a day because I was thinking, all right, I would probably, I would be feeling it by eight o'clock. And then maybe by 11 is roughly the time where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm chilling. And so I put, again, conservative. I probably started around noon on weekends, you know, or, or in the morning. If I was like you said, I'm not feeling good, let's just ease right into it. It's embarrassing to say this now, but I want to put this on the record as that's where I was at. That's who I was. That's what I was doing. And you know what? Judge away. But I came back from that. And so just keep that in mind. I'm almost two and a half years clean off this lifestyle. And so that was three hours a day. The, the monthly savings was 91 hours. But to date, that's 2,664 days or 64 hours of sober self that I have saved myself. 2,664 hours. That is three months of my life that I took back. Three months of productivity. Three months of remembering who the fuck I was and what I stood for. And, and this is kind of the next segue. All right. So one of the things that stands out to me, and I think it's quite interesting, and you brought this up, Jeff, it's that all of us are here because we made the choice to get sober. We weren't told to get sober. We did not have DUIs. We did not have domestic issues. We did not have public intoxication or anything like that that sent us down this path. And so do you think that's odd <laughs> that each of us kind of decided on our own 
hey, I'm just going to give up this thing that everybody's addicted to. Because it seems like those who are sober that I know kind of outside of us, there, there is a reason, a very clear reason that they were forced to do this. It, it's endlessly interesting to me just because if you quit before your life is in complete shambles, you know, a lot of your friends will will say, why are you quitting and try to talk you out of it? Because it isn't that bad. So resume the default of drinking. But yeah, it sounds like the three of us, we all chose to get better. We, For me, it was a process of knowing myself. I knew deep down that I needed to stop drinking. Now, I didn't need to be sleeping under a bridge because I suspected I might get there if I kept doing it for another 20 years. So I, I took the chance of, you know, I know that this is wrong. I need to fix it rather than ending up in a, in a situation where I had to fix it. I took control of my life. And it's dude, I'm sure there were many blips along the way where you could have been like, oh, that's a good reason to stop. That's a good reason to stop. And then eventually you just found your reason to stop. And I've got a shit ton as well, you know, and Justin, you, you are the one that had some, some brush ups with the uh, legal and still that wasn't the wake up call. And so why do you think that didn't wake you up? Whereas you know, the, the Easter day that did, what do you think was the defining moment there? Because it, they would think rock bottom would be getting, getting in trouble with public, whatever, or, you know, whatever, but that wasn't it. It was you literally having just some issues with family and just, you know, like you said, making a horse's ass of yourself. That was more of a wake up call than literal legal uh, consequences. Uh, you, you know, where, where I grew up, that, uh, you know, getting in trouble with the law is pretty no normalized for, for youth in this area, which is, I mean, right. it's, start, it's startling <laughs> right of passage. That, that that's uh, the case. But uh, my uh, my older brother's gotten uh, four DUIs, I think, and has done some jail time because of it. So when I got, when I got my two MIPs, I, uh, I lost my license for 30 days. What's an MIP? It's a uh, minor in possession. Got it. And then... Uh, You're partying early, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I was partying early. And then uh, one time I got pulled over for drinking and driving on Father's Day. And they let me go. Because a couple of friends came to pick me up and drive me home. Uh, and then in addition to that, I have public urination on my record as well. Nice. So this this is all public knowledge, so I don't mind talking about it. And it's it's taken me quite a long time to come around to that because it's embarrassing. But uh, I guess on on Easter around Easter, what I what I recognized was uh, that this was hurting my family uh, a little bit more. I just recently moved back, and I've got these young people that are looking up to me. I've got my nieces i've got two nieces a nephew now and then uh my aunt and uncle adopted a couple of girls that are my cousins mm -hmm. and they're like they're teenagers so i i know that if i want to be a part of these young people's lives i've got to correct that that action uh i i, I don't know i just i dislike being embarrassed i i don't want to I don't, I don't want to have any more of that in my life. So it's, it's just time to correct the action. No, it's well said, man. Like that's actually, that's very well said. You know, you, you said um, it's public knowledge. So you don't feel bad, you know, sharing it because it's out there, but dude, whether it's public urination, whether it's domestic issues, whether it's a DUI, you know, whatever it is, 
a lot of people, they have that moment and they're like, oh, I guess I have to quit now. And so they do and they're fucking miserable. And then oftentimes they go back. Then there are others. And, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm fortunately in this category or unfortunately in this category. But I, dude, I don't know how I walked that razor's edge as many times as I did and always fell on the right side. Dude, we're talking in foreign countries, you know, in the Navy. We're talking in a lot of places where I probably should have ended up in a lot of trouble. And I didn't. And it used to piss off some of the guys. Like there were some dudes in the Navy who were like, it fucking bothers me that you party that hard. And I see you getting in fights and I see you doing stupid shit and fighting this the shore patrol, jumping into rivers and shit, like being crazy. And then the next day you're getting an award for being like sailor of the year because you also outworked everybody else in the ship. They're like, it bothers me. Like, how do you do that? Like, usually you're a drunk and a fuck up or you're a hard worker and you're sober or like you're, you're, you're not hooked on anything. And I was both, man. And that's sort of defined my fucking life. I'm like the most positive dude with the most fucked up background. You know, I'm the guy who's hooked on things, but I'm also hooked on work. And so it's been a weird dichotomy in my dome because I'm like, I'm a good dude. But then I look at it and I'm like, I'm also drinking my fucking balls off. I'm also sitting here and I'm just pounding things away. And I'm also the drunk at the party, but I'm, I'm, I want to be a great dad. And it's like, how do you hold both of those positions? And we've actually got JL on here who thank you for joining us, brother. Another FOE man who's gone the sober path and something that stands out. And it's a great segue that you brought up. You've got your nieces, your nephews, you've got those young eyes watching you. And for me, I've got my kids, you know what I've got? I've got the kids that I, I coach in youth sports, both Jay and Jeff have children. I believe man, of all the razor edges I've walked quitting when I did, had I quit a month later, like a week, I feel like I was right there. My kids would have really imprinted upon them. Like they were starting to become aware of what drunk is or of what alcohol is, or they didn't really know prior to, because we kind of try to keep it away from them, but there's only so far you can go. And as kids get older, they're much more perceptive and aware. And all of a sudden you're using certain words or you're getting really excited or like certain things are changing about you. And they're like, no, my dad's drunk. Maybe my dad says I'm a masculine man and I lead men and I do these things. So that's what I should do. And I would never want that for my son, you know? And so I caught myself before it was a thing. And I know that because recently I've spoken to them about it. I said, Hey, what did, what did you guys like, or what has changed since mom and I got sober? That was a very difficult conversation to have, but they pointed out several things. You know, you wake up a lot earlier. You're, you're much more motivated. You have a lot more energy. You're more positive. And I was like, man, you know what that means? That means I was sleeping in. I didn't think they noticed. That means that I was fatigued. I was tired and like trying to push through and grit through, but they, they noticed that too. That means they were aware of that dude. And I don't think a lot of fathers know the kind of impact it had on their kids. And so I was wondering, uh, I'm going to go to Jeff first and then Jay, because we can do a quick intro with Jay, as well as what got him here. But Jeff, uh, did your daughter or your son have any role in your decision to get sober? Or was it really you looking at you? Uh, it definitely factored in when I thought about the person I wanted to be and the person I didn't want to be. Um, I got sober in time that my kids never really saw me. Um, my son's a little bit older than my daughter. So I can remember, you know, when I drank, being real careful about it. And we go to these lengths to to do crazy stuff, you know, like how you schedule an Uber if you think you're going to get drunk and don't drive. Well, you know, if I knew my son was going to be around, I might drink in a glass that wasn't uh, that wasn't see through. You know, these crazy things looking back, these efforts to hide what you're actually doing. I didn't want to do that. It doesn't feel good. You're living not authentically, not honestly. So it it. 
my kids never saw me out of control or even drunk, but I never wanted them to. So it, it definitely played into a big reason why I was motivated to get sober. No, it's a good one, man. You actually reminded me of a story that crushed Jackie. And so, like I said, she quit the night I quit. Uh, Ava was playing with her dolls one time and she said, oh, this is this is the doll's wine. And she had little glasses for each of the Barbies. And Jackie said that broke her fucking heart. And so that I, I don't know if that was after or before, but I just remember that being a thing that we'd spoken about. And she's like this. We, I'm not doing this like my, my daughter deserves better. And we're not going to pretend that it's normal to, to be drinking like this. So we've been joined by the fourth FOE man, JL, out there being a great dad tonight. Welcome to this call, brother. Sober, a long time. Dude, your journey, I've had a front row seat from literally day one, and it's been fantastic. And so throwing it on right in the middle of this, you know, what was the driving point to your sobriety? And then to get up to speed with where we're at right now, did the kids play a role in that? You know, or was it just a you decision? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here first and foremost. And um, speaking of FOE, I, I've often contemplated many times um, when I quit, would I have quit if I was not in FOE? And I honestly can't answer that question, but I'm pretty sure that it would have been A, a lot harder and B, might not have happened. Because for me, I was already fixing things about myself, maybe not fixing, but working towards being the best man I could be. And it was the one thing, like Jeff said, I kind of hit it. And I, I wasn't sneaky about it. And the problem with me with alcohol was that I didn't fit into the mold of what most people would say was an alcoholic. I had a lot of people like tell me things, Jay, you just need to cut back a little bit, man. You just went a little too hard last night. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And nine times out of 10, that was me. I was okay about it most of the time, but there were the times that I wasn't. And when I wasn't, I was a jackass. I said dumb things. I never got into a fight, anything like that, but I would say stupid things. I would be mean. I would I'd be an asshole. I would just not be Jay, not the Jay that I know I am, right? So the defining moment for me was um, one day on vacation. Um, well, I'm, I'm coming up on, on two years here uh, in May, sobriety. So it was in May of 2021, and I was on vacation, and my wife went to work, kids went to school. I had a big pile of firewood in the yard to stack up to dry for the summer. All was right with the world. You know what? I'm going to have a couple of beers, which was my norm on a vacation day. But I got into them a little too hard. And then my wife came home from work around noon, and I was half in the bag. And she confronted me about it. And I got defensive about it. And it escalated. And I, it just it turned into a shitty shit show of me yelling and her, you know, being upset and yelling back and I stormed off and then I proceeded to drink more. It was like throwing gas on a fire. It's like, you already get this fire going. Well, let me just throw some more booze on that and, and fire the flames up real good for you. Wound up um, spending the night at my parents' house. Uh, nothing like being 44 years old or 43 at the time. And having your uh, parents come pick you up to take you back to your child at home to, you know, stay the night with them. And uh, I remember waking up in like the dawn hours on the couch in the basement and uh, remembering everything because I, I'm not the type that I wouldn't black out. I usually remembered everything when I did drink and I remembered everything. And I remember feeling like a, a fraud or something. I feel like I betrayed myself. I betrayed the Jay that was me when I was younger. 
when I was like 18, uh, 17, 18 years old in high school, um, I was straight edge. I was into skateboarding, I was into bike racing, like bicycle racing. I was into punk rock. I was into all that kind of stuff. And, and I was not about drinking at all. I was all about living. And then somewhere over the years, that gradually changed. And I can't tell you exactly when or how, but that morning waking up in my parents' basement, I felt like a fraud. I felt like I betrayed myself. And times leading up to that in the past, there have been times where I'd told my wife, like, I'm going to cut back, you know, I'd have a moment where I'd have a real shitty day and the same thing would happen. I'd get into a fight with her, I'd argue, and then I would say, I'm going to quit. And I would cut back for months and months and it would go well, but it would eventually creep back up and creep back up. And before you know it, I was back to the same old tricks again. So this time it was different because I woke up and it just, something hit me. Something inside me died that night. And I woke up with a hatred of alcohol that I've never had in my life. And the first person that I called was Zach, the very first person. And, you know, at the time when I called him, it was probably four in the morning his time. So I didn't get an answer. But the next time I called a little later on, he called me and I just dropped right there. And then I said, this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. And I went and I joined the sobriety channel within our Slack and FOE. And that was it. I never had a craving. I never once thought about it again. I've never considered drinking again. It, it's just, I, I felt so fucking done with it like I just hated it and to the kids thing like I have nine-year-old triplets and as you can imagine nine-year-old triplets are a handful one of them has autism which adds even more of a complication to the whole situation and right or wrong I think over the course of their life booze became a bit of a crutch it's a bit of a way to relax a bit of a reward you know at night when they went to bed my wife and I would sit down and, and have a glass of wine or two or three and uh and i just remember being like there's no fucking way like my dad never drank around me and and i was like i don't want this and it's like you said like that razor's edge i walked that razor's edge so many fucking times and landed on the right side of it i don't know how i didn't end up in shit i really don't know how um but i'm lucky that i didn't and it just drove me to, to like you know what man you got your get out of jail free card with this be the man you want to be and just drop it now and I did. And that was it. Game over. And my kids um, see a father who doesn't drink. And my wife will be a year alcohol free on her birthday in March. So they see a mother that doesn't drink. And all around, it's just a much better way to live. And it, it's funny because I just, it sounds like a cliche, but when you remove alcohol from your life, the funniest thing is nothing gets taken away. Like your life is still the same. You know, it's just amplified because things are more real. You don't have something to escape and, you know, drink and play air guitar in my jam room for 25 minutes, you know, stupid things like that that I used to do after having four or five, 8% IPAs, right? Um, yeah, it's just reality is the trip, man. And uh, life is way, way better without it. In my world, it's, it's 10 times better, 100 times better. I can't even magnitudes better without it. Dude, I, I am 100% on the hippie train with you, man. Like I'm high on life. <laughs> like, dude, like, like reality is my, my trip. Like it is the journey I'm on and enjoying. And so what's interesting about that too, you know, when you look at it, uh, Hey, I want to point out. So that day, like, I don't really take days off. Like you guys see me, I'm, I'm always in the Slack. I'm always in the group. It's, it's a fucking thing. <laughs> and that day I told Jackie, I'm like, Hey, no calls. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like we're going out. We're going to have our fucking day. And I woke up and I was like, oh, shit, I missed a call from Jay. Like immediately I jumped on the phone. I'm like, what's up? 
And she was like, what the fuck, Zach? I thought today was like not a work day. And then when I told her, I was like, yo, he just dropped booze. We just want to talk about it. She's like, oh, that's awesome. Like she was totally on board with it because it was about sobriety. And she's 100% in the same boat where to her, dropping alcohol was a gift to herself. Like getting rid of booze, like you would think giving something away or not being able to have it sucks. And she was like, no, that's the best gift I've ever given myself. And I feel the same way. And it's interesting because we, we're around a lot of men who are motivated. People will see you and they're like, that dude crushes the mountain bike trails. He's a fucking rock star. We're in a band. Like this dude's leading his kids. He's got his wife. Like they're having a great time. That's a man's man. The same men will then look to guys who are like drinking whiskey and taking shots and shooting guns and growing beards. Those are men. But then you look at those with alcohol and you're like, how are we going to say that is a man when that is somebody who turns to booze to deal with things when he's stressed out? That is somebody who needs to put drugs into his system for him to be able to calm down and relax after work. Why isn't it the man who can do that shit without the substance? To me, that's the man. And again, that comes across with a certain bias or a certain fucking, you know, asterisk next to it because I'm sober. And like, oh, well, now that you gave up booze, you say this, you think you're holier than thou. I don't think I'm holier than thou. I wish I had known this then, though. I wish oh, yeah. I was judging men on, on that level where we say, well, a masculine man does X. Well, a masculine man is prepared if there's a problem. But if you're blacked out drunk on your couch, you're a liability to your family if there's a fire. You're not an asset. If you are the Navy SEAL doing all this shit and you're going, you have fucking PTSD, a hardcore fucking warrior who's seen some shit, but you turn to booze whenever you're stressed out and then you have a flip out and you're about to fucking murder your wife because you think she's Osama bin Laden or some shit, you know, you are not being masculine or a leader. You're fucking dying inside and you don't know how to ask for help. The strongest men I know can do that. They don't have to turn to numb themselves away. There are psychedelics out there that can help you. I'm not saying don't use a substance. I'm saying alcohol has never been the right substance for anybody ever. Go do shrooms to cure your depression. I'm on board. Smoke pot to fucking relax. I'm on board. Don't let the shit become a thing like booze. Don't swap one addiction for another. But alcohol has never been a cure to anything. Now, no. with that, there are those who have social anxiety. And alcohol does reduce that. There are those who need that liquid courage to go and get it. I understand that there are certain stories associated with this where you can say alcohol played a great role. But for every one night where you had that great sex or you felt cool at the party or, or whatever the fuck happened, I promise you for 99% for of the population, there are 100 nights where you were sloppy, nasty, fucked up, overeating, you know, just making an ass of yourself. But you don't remember that. You remember that one time that you you sang karaoke and you rocked out because you were drinking. That's what sticks in your head. And the reality and the most masculine men I know, they live in reality and they judge the world for what it is and not what they pretend it is or pretend it to be. And so that's where we find ourselves now. And that's one of the things I wanted to throw on the table for you guys is that as we move forward and as we continue to send this message of sober living and what's possible when you do it, what are other areas where you're finding yourself noticing why did I believe this then, but I don't believe it now? Are there things sticking out to you where, like I said, for me, it was judging men on what, what a masculine man was. Getting rid of booze, I realized like men don't need alcohol. So what are the areas are we just accepting or overlooking or giving a pass to alcohol? You know, is it the cancer uh, angle there? We say we want to be healthy, but you're fucking pounding booze every night, increasing your risk of cancer. I love my kids so much that I want to be blacked out in front of them. You know, is it the, uh, you need to develop strength, mental, physical, and spiritual strength. Well, then why are you getting drunk to be able to speak to that girl? 
why do you need it to go and speak to those men? Is it using booze to, to as a cover for a personality? You've got to get drunk to be funny. Well, why can't you develop, be a, a man who can have a conversation without alcohol? Why do you need literally drugs to be interesting? That's just a trick of the mind. And what happened for me was being surrounded by men within FOE that are sober or my own father, who's as manly as I can imagine any man being, and he doesn't drink. And, um, you know, you're sold the lie. You always have, at least I did. I had this mental image that people that quit drinking were weak. They couldn't handle their liquor and there's something wrong with them, you know? And there were sad people that, that, you know, couldn't go out in public because they were tempted to drink and they would just sit around drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes at AA meetings. That was exactly what I thought it was. And it's the opposite of that. The guys that I know that are the strongest are the ones that don't drink. They can handle reality and they can deal with things as they come. And um, that, that was the big one that flipped the switch for me. Once I internalized that, that made everything different. And being in a band, I'm in a unique position that when I'm on stage, I can see everybody in the bar go from usually starting out relatively sober to people. I've seen guys go from being the cool guy in the room to being an obnoxious bumbling fool by the end of the night. And like you said, he goes home and remembers the moments where he was cool. He doesn't remember the moments where he was being a jackass, you know, hitting on the waitress or something like that. Right. Well, it's one of those things too, man, you know, why rock bottom doesn't have to be living on our bridge. As Higgins said, you know, you don't have to hit that point where you can say, you know, I'm at my bottom. You know, I'm, I hit my bottom without anything, with, without any loss of limb or loss of family or even loss of self-respect. You know, I would say yeah, the closest I, I came to losing self-respect. I mean, obviously, I look back now, I'm like, man, I wasted so much time and money. But it was that photo that I shared with you guys from 4th of July where I was in, I was under behind that truck with the red light on me. I was fucking fat, man. And I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize that when you're sitting there and you're you're looking at yourself objectively, like you're being real, like, yo, I didn't realize I'm leading these men in FOE and I gained all this weight and nobody said anything. Nobody told me. I didn't, I didn't even realize it. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, like maybe boozing isn't all it's made out to be. And maybe that's what's keep me from like tapping into the Zach I know is in there. And that brings out something that I wanted to know if you had the same experience as Jay did, uh, Justin, when I drink, I've started to look at it like a, a spiritual suicide. Because Jackie would say, I love you, but sometimes when you drink, I don't love who you become. And it made me think, like, I become someone else. Like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, that drug turned me into a different dude that wasn't me. And so did you have any moments like that where you're like, yo, I'm better than this? Well, my, my brothers tell me that when, uh, that when I get really ripped up, that uh, I turn into a zombie. I just, I, I, I don't really interact or talk with anyone. I'm just kind of glazed over and that's that. And so uh, I wonder, I wonder how many times people have wanted to get to know me or talk to me or, or, uh, you know, as, as you were mentioning about, you know, talking, talking to women, uh, how many, how many women were probably interested in getting to know me and where, where I'd screwed, screwed that up. Just all these missed opportunities that I could have had 
if I if I wasn't under the influence of a drug. And yet it's so fucking normal, dude. Like it is so normal to just be like that every single day or every single weekend for some, you know, and it's interesting that you don't even think twice about it. Most don't. Obviously, the three of us did. But it's like when you really dial it back, you're killing yourself. By, by pounding the booze as frequently as most do. And again, there's going to be the people who come on here. I guarantee we're going to get feedback. All right. Yeah, but it's just because you're an alcoholic doesn't mean I am. Okay, dude, you have your one glass of whiskey every Saturday. You're not the person I'm fucking talking to. You know, and honestly, even then, why do you even have that one glass of whiskey? Is it really fucking doing anything for you? That's a different discussion. You like it, whatever. I like cigars. I do things that, that are not perfectly healthy for me. And so I get it, but that's not the dude I'm talking to. The problem is, People don't want to admit it's as big of an issue as it is. Almost 100,000 people die preventably each year um, from alcohol. Preventable deaths. They did the math about how many years of life expectancy that is. We're like in the millions of, of lives lost. This is just America. You know, so, so Jay in Canada, if you add that into it, we add Mexico into it, like we just do North America. Bro, the, the numbers are going to be ridiculous. But just looking at that, let's just look at that one little thing. COVID was like a fraction of those fucking numbers and we shut down our entire country. Alcohol runs rampant and there are ads for it on Super Bowl commercials. World Cup, you know, we, we've got booze advertised everywhere and it's literally killing 100,000 people plus a year. And we just look the other way. We act like it's not a big deal. And so for the one guy drinking his one glass of scotch that one Saturday a month, I'm not talking to you, but here's the reality. A lot more people, and I wish I had the stats in front of me. I had them up earlier, but my laptop died now that I'm not using it. And so I can't turn to that. But the stats are ridiculous as to how many teenagers and adults are binge drinking uh, every, weekly. On a weekly basis, they binge drink. And so the, the problem is rampant. The addiction is through the fucking roof. It is an addictive drug. It is a type one carcinogen. And we look the other way. And I, I'm wondering why, because we're watching people kill themselves and we're clapping and we're cheering for it. Jay goes to a bar and he, he's running a show. And he's watching a dude transform from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde in front of him. Now imagine how many other people are doing this in their homes alone. Dude, the numbers is just astronomical and it runs rampant. And we look the other way. Why does booze get a pass? And you know, I'm trying not to get fucking disappeared. So I'm not going to go too deep into the fucking rabbit hole of the marketing and the aggressive marketing these companies use and the amount of money they have and the influence they have on us. But I would say, dude, there's a reason that people can't wait to drink. There's a reason that people think it makes their life better. There's a reason they think it makes them funnier and happier and they'll have more friends and they'll fit in and life will be better. And then women will love them. Men will respect them. You know, all these things that go with booze. And it's like, yo, I don't like, and Jay actually pointed this out to me the other day. The leadership in FOE is predominantly sober. The men I roll with do not have drinking problems. The men in FOE, the, the men of excellence that are in the pursuit of being their best selves are oftentimes either giving up booze or they have a healthy relationship where they are that random guy who I consider the exception, where they can have their drink or they can let it go. I wasn't that guy. Most people I know wasn't, weren't that guy. But we do have some inside our group. And so looking at that, it's just an interesting thing that we're willing to go as far as we go in other areas, but we won't with booze. We won't question it. We won't attack it. We won't make it a subject. And I wonder if it's because we don't want to make the people around us feel bad. Or we don't want to admit it and then have to let it go and then deal with all the feelings that we're not used to having to deal with. Yeah, it's interesting that um, alcohol is one of the only things, might be the only thing that says, please enjoy responsibly. 
on the packaging. You don't go to the store and buy a box of cookies that says, only eat a few of these. They'll fuck you up. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? Like, point, <laughs> and a friend of mine who's been sober for years um, said it to me years ago. And he actually said it to me when I was still drinking. Uh, and I remember I asked him why he didn't drink anymore. And he said, I can really just sum it up for him one sentence. He said, I've never met anybody that becomes a cooler person when they drink. And, and I didn't really get that until I did quit. And then I remember thinking back on it, being like, man, he was totally right. I actually messaged him about it. I was like, you were right. And I just didn't listen to you until, you know, five years later. But Dude, it's amazing. When you look back, you're like, man, there are so many. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you look back and, and what the signs were. What matters is you made the decision. But I would say there are so many signs. And so I want to pivot this and, and bring us to a spot where I'm saying it doesn't matter you know, how many missed signs there were, because there's no need for the three of us to look back and say, Oh, I could have, could have, could have. Well, you didn't, you quit when you quit. And there you go from there forward. We, we do the work together, but then that big old, but <laughs> I'm going to drop in there. If you guys had advice or tips or tricks that have helped you not only get, but also remain sober, I'd like to dive into that because if somebody's listening to this and they've listened this far into it, they're interested in the subject. They're either sober and they're, they maybe they're white knuckling it. As you were saying, Justin, you know, they're on the edge and like, fuck, I don't know how long I can do this. They're, they're like us, Jay, where, where there were no, it was over. Cool. Greatest feeling in the world. Like, Oh shit. It's like Lord of the Rings. When the ring goes in the fucking the lava, like that's, that's where I felt like we were at. It's like literally cool. I don't have to fight this anymore. I'm done. And I had, it was like that. I made the decision. I've not had any desire. I I'm telling you right now, and Justin, I don't know if this fits you, but Jay and I have spoken about this. We could go to a bar right now and order drinks for the guys, have them in front of us, carry the drinks over, pass all the shot glasses out, have our fucking seltzers, whatever the fuck we're drinking, and be totally cool. Like, there's no desire for it. And so what advice, tips, tricks do you guys have for making that happen? Because Jay's coming up on two years, you're close to one year, and I'm, at, I'm almost at two and a half years. And so we, we've all come far enough to where something's working. And so I'm wondering, what was that something for you guys? And then I'll share it for myself as well. You can go first, Justin. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you're, you're the newest. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, think, I think that it's, uh, it's best to have something to focus your attention on, to, to draw your, your attention away from drinking. And... Uh, I, I think it's I think it's logical to want to work out. Walking is uh, it, it's really good for a person. It uh, it produces endorphins, and so does strength training. And you get you get uh, a little bit of uh, self confidence or self esteem built up along with it. You feel good. And uh, I, another thing, I I think. Uh, could help some people is uh, picking up a book and just kind of reading through a book. Did you that, have a certain uh, book you went to? Well, I, I read the Bible a lot, but I read the meditations of Marcus Aurelius uh, a bit here and there. And uh, right now I'm reading a book on mindfulness. So that's, it's, it's kind of providing me with some, uh, you know, achievement or reward, just flipping pages through that book. And then uh, I used to be really disciplined about having sweets or, you know, 
junk food or this or that, I would tell people not to worry about that if you're if you're uh, trying to get sober. Just in, enjoy whatever treat you want to have because that's kind of your reward for not having the beer. You know, one of the, it's interesting you say that a lot of people the sugar that they used to get from the booze, they have like wicked cravings for it. And like I remember me, like I was I was not a a sweets guy at all. Like I I was my thing. And then all of a sudden I was like, yo, I could fucking crush some cupcakes right now. <laughs> like I found myself like definitely ready to hit some sugar. And I realized, oh, I'm I'm not gonna swap cirrhosis for uh, diabetes. And so I had to like catch myself, but I definitely was like getting those cravings, man. And I was like, yo, who's got the cake? Let's go. And so I realized, my, uh, oh shit, my, that's because my, my coworker at the uh, at the meat department when I was working in the meat department, he always had gu- uh, gummy worms with him. And he's he's kind of a a guy that's a hothead as well. So if something's like frustrating him, or he's he's getting upset at something he has a couple of those and he kind of you know has his moment moment at work where he's chilling out and he gets he gets over it or gets through it and that that seemed to help him out in his sobriety so i was just kind of watching that taking notes over that and uh i i don't know having a, a mantra or a prayer that you say you know every every single day that kind of kind of centers you gets you focused I think that kind of helps as well. No, it's amazing, man. That's really good advice. The mantra, you know, is that something you you looked up or is that something that you always relied on? And you don't have to share it if you don't want to, but I'm asking like, where, where did it come from? Well, I I usually go the prayer route instead okay. of a mantra, but I, I know that some people use that as well. Now, Jesus and was I, very I mean, pro-booze. Serenity prayer. <laughs> that guy turned water into wine, man. <laughs> yep. We're just keeping with the water. <laughs> Jay, what was your go? And again, I'm I'm factoring in that we both kind of had spontaneous sobriety. We, we both were like, no, nah, I'm out. But even with that, even knowing you didn't need it, did you have anything that you put into play to kind of replace the habit or to keep your mind on something else? Or 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 a recommendation for somebody else that maybe maybe they didn't have that flip switch, but they're they're working towards that. Yeah, for sure. So so for me, to answer your first question was um, when I uh, when I quit, like you said, it was it was pretty much abrupt. It was pretty spontaneous. And the thing for me, the biggest advice I can give to somebody is you have to do it for yourself. All the other times that I thought I was going to quit or cut back, it was for somebody else. It was like you said earlier in the podcast, you were like, oh, great. Now I have to quit drinking. And when I decided I wanted to, it was about me is like, I want to quit drinking. I want to quit drinking, not I have to quit drinking. I want to quit drinking. So until you can get to that point where you want to do it for yourself, you're going to struggle. So you need to, you need to do what you have to do to get to that. The other thing is no one cares when you quit, when you go out to the bar, when you go out to the restaurant, when you go to your friend's house, Sure, your close friends are going to ask you, and you're probably, hopefully, you've told them that you have, but they're not going to care. They're going to they're gonna say, oh, cool, or whatever, and you have whatever you have to drink, and that's the way it goes, and it's almost shocking how little people care. And if people knew how little people cared, a lot more people would quit because they wouldn't have that anxiety that they're going to be judged for. So what do I have differently? Well, um, I like non-alcoholic beer. 
In fact, I'm an ambassador for the athletic brewing company. Um, so beer, I will get that link and I will drop that below for anybody listening to this. (laughs) Um, the cycling world beer is, is a huge part of that after a bike ride, after a mountain bike ride, after a road bike ride, it's, you know, a lot of guys have a beer together. So, um, the week that I quit, I quit on a Tuesday that weekend coming up was my annual spring trip to my camp with my friends. That was always a big mountain bike fest slash barbecue slash beer and campfire. Well, I brought some non-alcoholic beers. I went to the grocery store. I picked them up, never tried one in my life. Well, I tried like that crappy dual shit, but this was some better stuff. And anyway, I, uh, I, I was blown away how much I enjoyed it. And the biggest realization I took from that was everything that I enjoyed about beer had nothing to do with the alcohol. I liked the taste of a good cold beer on a hot day. I liked socializing with my buddies. I liked having a chat and having it in my hand, having a few sips, had nothing to do with the alcohol, had nothing to do with getting a buzz. In fact, that night at that campfire, when it came time to go to bed, I was bright eyed and bushy tailed, put the campfire out, had to wake my friends up that it all passed out around the fire. That used to be me. I used to be Johnny first guy out every time, snoring in the lawn chair, waking up at four in the morning covered in dew with nothing but smoldering ashes in the campfire in front of me, wondering where everyone went. But they went to bed and I was notoriously hard to wake up when I was drinking. So, so yeah, um, non-alcoholic beer or uh, bubbly or any kind of a, a, anything carbonated, I find. If you're that kind of guy, that's a trick. Now, if you're into wine, like I was really into wine as well, and I thought I was going to miss it, but I really didn't. So I don't have any advice there what you can replace wine with. But for me, sparkling water, non-alcoholic beer, good stuff. Absolutely. Well, that's well said. I will say uh, Jackie has tried the free wines. And so it's alcohol-free wine, but it's called free wine. And, you know, she it's hit or miss. You know, she's not really stuck on it. But every now and then, like that tartness is something she craves. And so she'll just try that. So that that is an option for those that are on the wine path. You know, and I agree with you. You know, keeping the hands busy. That's something that Jackie and I did, you know, in the beginning. And, and we do it now still out of kind of habit. But having your hands occupied, having something going on. So in New England, it makes sense no matter what time the party is. When you show up, you have a, a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee in your hand. So we always showed up to parties with coffee in our hand. That way, when we got there, nobody was like, hey, do you want to drink? No, we got to drink. We're drinking our coffee. But eventually that ends. And so when that ends, we would always bring our own seltzers. And some of them would be like the generic blue can seltzers. Sometimes we get the fancier ones. Sometimes we'd have like a couple bottles of um, Tapo Chico or San Pellegrino. Like we'd come up with our own drink and we'd bring sugar-free pineapple or sugar-free cranberry, sugar-free whatever. And so we would go and make a drink like everybody else, except ours didn't have liquor in it. And so the, the act, the process of making a drink was not taken from us. We still do that. We still do that at home. She's at cheer right now with Ava. When they get home, she's going to walk in that door. She's going to go into that kitchen. She's going to make herself some ice, probably sugar-free cranberry, and then some seltzer. She's going to make me one as well. She's going to walk in this room. And if we're still podcasting, she's going to put it right there and you'll watch it happen. You know, I don't know what, what when they're going to get home. So it might not happen live, but that is our routine. And our routine before, she would come home, put the ice in it, put the tequila or whatever in it, the rum, whatever in it, then put the mixer into it and then bring it to me. And so all we've done is just get rid of the booze. We didn't lose anything. You know, when we go to parties, we're just there coherent. And Jay, dude, I can't tell you how many parties we've left early because nobody gets cooler when they drink. Those people you're talking to, it's a great time. Hey, great to see you. What's new? How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And then all of a sudden they're slurring. They're repeating their stories. 
they're getting loud and obnoxious for no reason or they're like up in your face and like just ridiculous and you're like i'm gonna leave <laughs> like this you're not better you're a lot worse and i don't want to be here i'm not mad i don't hold it against them like yo that was me i'm not like i'm not casting any judgment i just value my time and so my wife and i i'm looking across the room and she's like nah me too time to go and so we wide awake can drive home in the middle of the night not worry about uh, legal trouble or like are we good to drive we can drive and have a great conversation. And when we get home, we still can have a great conversation, hang out and have a blast together. And so we lost nothing. And so the second part of this, and this is actually going to be a little more difficult to explain. And, and you did a good job with it, Jay. But if you're going to, to go the path of sobriety and you're like, yo, I, I think this is it for me. Like I've, I've messed up or I'm just tired of being tired, which is the case with me. I was just like tired of fighting it, man. I've quit once in my life. One thing have I given up on. And I'm Zach fucking small, man. I do not quit. You put a thousand men in front of me, I'm going to fucking go down swinging. I'm not surrendering. I don't care. But I quit the fight against booze, man. I fucking threw in the towel. I was like, I can't win. I cannot win this. I can't keep trying to fight it. I can't keep trying to moderate it. Oh, man, dude, I'm actually like, this is, I'm feeling this one. Like it was hard to admit I didn't want to fight anymore because I felt like I had something to prove. I had to prove I was man enough to hold my whiskey. I had to prove that I was man enough to be able to have alcohol in my life and I could just moderate it. I had to do that. I'm fucking Zach. Like I got to win this. And I couldn't dude. I kept hitting the wall. I kept passing out on the couch. I kept passing out of the parties. I kept going too far. I kept like one, two, all right, I'm going to moderate three, four, five, six, seven. All right, we're partying. I couldn't do it. And so I quit. And it was only when I quit for me, though. And that shit, for anybody listening, if you're looking to go sober for a month to get yourself on track, this might not really apply to you. But if you're one of the ones who's like, I'm really thinking about my relationship with this li liquid, and I don't think it's for me, I want you to think about it like this. And this is what I, I'm actually not even looking at you guys in the screen because this is like super fucking like deep in there. But when you, and I'm, I'm making myself now because it's hard. <laughs> I do hard things. I... I looked at it and I took the position that if I want to be me and I want to save myself from this, I have to let it go. And not only do I have to let it go, but I have to let it go not so I can not embarrass myself in front of the kids and not so I can be a better husband for Jackie. I have to let this go because I want the best for my life for me. I want to be better. I want to get everything I can from it. And this drug is not letting me do that. And I had to fucking like give up, man. And in that moment, I gave up. I quit. And it's been the best fucking decision of my life. Like if we're ranking things, I would say joining the Navy and getting sober and like this battle back and forth because they both did so much for me. But for me to even compare anything to joining the Navy, which literally changed my life for the better forever, for anything to be compared to that, it's like the greatest fucking honor. Like marrying Jackie's fucking awesome, but I, I'm still me. You know, having kids, that's fucking awesome. Like those are incredible moments in my life, but I'm talking specific decisions made for me to make me my best self. I like joining the Navy and getting sober. And I think every now and then getting sober trumps it. And especially the longer I'm sober, the more I realize I saved my fucking life, man. That shit would have, it would have won that fight had I not quit. And I know that. And it scares the shit out of me sometimes, almost as if I'm still drinking, which is fucked up. Like sometimes I'll have those nightmares, man. I was talking to that the other day. I'll wake up with a phantom hangover. And it scares the fucking shit out of me because I'm like, fuck, man, I fucked it up. I had it and I fucked it up. 
And then I'm in my bedroom, like by myself, sitting up. I'm like, holy shit. We watched a cooking show and went to bed. I didn't drink last night. <laughs> or holy shit, I was reading a book and I went to sleep. Like whatever the fuck it was, I didn't drink last night. And it's like instantly I get hap- as happy as you can, like the absolute bliss. I feel that. And then it's like a warmth fucking returns to my body. And I'm like, ooh, good job, Zach. <laughs> We're, we still got it. We didn't fuck our lives up. And so if you're on that path, you know, follow the advice these men shared, you know, tie, tie the trips, uh, the, the tips, the tricks that they offered. But that last one, the one where I'm saying that you really got to think about this for you and doing it to be your best self. You need to really have that honest conversation because I think that's why the switch flipped the way it did for me. I think that's why it did for Jay, you know, and Justin, I'm not sure if yours was that rapid, but if it was, I think it's the same reason. Like you just had enough. It, it just wasn't worth it. And so as we look at this, if you're on that path and you listen to this entire podcast, something is speaking to you. And so th- we have the three men here now. You know, Jeff had to hop off, you know, but I'm going to have the links to all their social media. You can reach out to them. They're all public about this. You know, I've got a link to 365 to sobriety. I've got a link to Jay's athletic brewing uh, to go through them. And do you have a U.S. link yet? Let's have that talk on the fucking podcast, man. Can I buy through you yet? I do not have a U.S. link. I have a Canadian link. All that um, money you're missing out on, man. I'm, I, I'm trying to get you paid here. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't get paid anything for it, to be honest. That, that's not quite how the ambassadorship works. Um, then I'm trying I to do, get you free cans. I do get discounts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, um, I can reach out to Athletic and get a link that I can provide that you can provide with your uh, listeners because I'm quite sure they'll be more than happy to uh to get some new uh new drinkers of athletic brewing and believe me from a, a beer lover's point of view i could pour it in a glass to someone that loves a good beer and not tell them it was non-alcoholic and they probably wouldn't be able to tell you don't get that little bite but you know what they else. could tell when they've had six and they're feeling great and you know maybe they've yeah. got to go to the bathroom because all the fluid but outside of that they're walking <laughs> straight to that bathroom you know what i mean and so that's yeah. what they would be able to tell but honestly, man, like I appreciate you guys coming on. I enjoy these discussions. I would like to kind of turn this into a series as we go forward, new insights, new developments. And so we'll keep that rolling, but that's something I'm bringing back to the family alpha podcast, you know, and I appreciate your time. But before we wrap up, I would love to know if you guys had any words of encouragement, because I'm sure actually, I, I know for a fact, every man here right now, we did not get it right the first try. And there might be someone right now who's in between tries and they're wondering, do I even try again? Can I even do this? And so if you had any words of encouragement for someone that's in that position or someone that's sober and they're like, man, I'm not sure if I can keep this up. What would you say to them? You know, Justin, with you coming up on a year, what would you say to that person who's looking to get to day one? Or maybe they're at six months wondering if they're going to make it. Well, I think you need to find a tribe. You know, in this uh, in this small town that I live in, there are two bars and the, they're the only places to eat. So there are a lot of drunk people there. So uh, I went online to find my tribe. If you're serious about it, you, you got to do it. That's solid. Jay, what about you? You're coming up on two years now. There are people like, there's no way that could be me. I'll never be two years sober. And yet here you are probably in that boat at one point And now in this boat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll echo what Justin said for sure on the tribe. You definitely need that. You need, you need people behind you that support it and uh, want to be part of it and see you win, right? You need people that want to see you win. Um, but for me, uh, I am a practicing Zen Buddhist and, 
quite simply put it is just ask yourself this question when you want to drink in this moment what in my life is lacking in this very moment not in general not in the grand scheme of what's going on this week or next week in this moment right now what is lacking and you can't answer that with a yes or a something nothing in this moment there is nothing lacking you don't need to add anything more you don't need to take anything away you do not need the alcohol no it's very well said brother you know and my words of encouragement would be this you're worth it you're worth the work you're worth trying again you're worth the effort and as these men said there are ample opportunities to connect with others living that life there's stop drinking on reddit r slash stop drinking if you go there there's a whole community focused on sobriety there's 365 to sobriety uh it's below if you put new year it takes 30 percent off it and that's 30 percent off 31 dollars. so this is not going to break the bank there's the fraternity of excellence we've got foe 25 you can save 25 percent off your memberships you know, there's uh, JL, there's Justin, there's Jeff Higgins. We are on social media. You can find us and hit us up in those DMs. Like there, There's opportunity everywhere to connect with someone and understand that not only are you worth it, but you're not alone in this. And there are people that are absolute strangers who want to see you win. I want to see every man that I'm associated with in this, every every man and woman going after. There are women in 365 to sobriety. Jackie's in there. You know, and so this is a person thing. If that's an issue for you, there are people that want to help but you have to want to help yourself and you're worth it. And so that is, that is my closing point here. If you've listened to this, there's a reason for it. So take that and run with it. And like I said, there's going to be more episodes of this. I'm going to turn it into like a sober series of sorts where I can talk about my journey. I can bring men like this on, you know, we'll connect with others. I would love to get a Huberman on and pick that dude's brain because he's fucking brilliant. And the shit he's been hitting is just fantastic. But the discussions around this, you know, if there is ever a time to get sober, like I do the shit backwards. I like the challenge COVID hit and everybody's like time to drink. I was like, it's time to get sober. You know, like same thing, Jay, like the world's going to chaos, Justin, the world's going to chaos. And instead of like following it and drinking it away, all three of us were like, nah, now's the perfect time to unfuck my life while the world's going crazy. And so if that's you and you see like the world is dark and you've allowed yourself to slide with it and get caught up in that chaos. It's time to bring the order back. It's time to drop the booze. It's trying to get a clear vision as to what you want. And it's time to connect with others who can help you get there. That's what we're offering. We're throwing the rope. You've got to grab it and you've got to climb. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for your time. This has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Stay well. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned. And be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.